right, so we are in a, a short little series on faith. And so uh, Justin coined this, this uh, fun name for it, what to expect when you are expecting. Uh, hopefully none of you guys are expecting in this way right now. But we are all expecting something from God. We all want um, and need God to do something in our lives. And so we are all, in one way or another, needing something from God. We need him to, uh, to give us wisdom. We need him to, to strengthen us. We need him to do a miracle in a relationship. We need him to provide for us. What, whatever it is, we all need something from God. And so our series is just trying to give us a framework for, uh, for what a biblical view on faith and on trusting God in our prayers looks like. Uh, so last week, Justin talked about it's dangerous to assume when God is going to answer your prayer. Today, we're going to talk about it's dangerous to assume where God is going to answer your prayer. And then next week, it'll be the how. And so we're going to try and cover all the bases here. Uh, but today, we're going to stick with the where of it. It's dangerous to assume where God is going to answer your prayer. And it's kind of, kind of confusing uh, maybe at first it was to me, but the more I thought about it, it made sense. Because God is always moving us somewhere. He's always working on us. He's always changing us. He's always taking us from one place to another. It may not necessarily be physical. It could be uh, emotional. Maybe God is taking you from a place of unforgiveness. He wants to move you into forgiveness. Maybe it's a, he's wanting to take you from a, a wrong belief. Maybe you believe God is like this mean dictator. God wants to take you to a place of truth so that you would know that he is a loving father. Maybe it is a physical location. Maybe, maybe God is wanting to move you from uh, maybe outside of your home. He wants you to walk across the street and, and love on your neighbor. Share the gospel with them. Maybe bring them some cookies. Whatever it may be, God is always wanting to change us. He's wanting to change our, our character. He's wanting to change our, our plans to line up with his. God always has us going from one place to another, whether it be physically, emotionally, spiritually, and our beliefs, however it is. And so today we're going to look at a, a man of faith that, that trusted God with his, his where. That person is Abraham. How I many of you guys know Abraham? You know, like the Sunday school father. Abraham had many sons. And many... Am I the only one in here? Come on. Yeah, come on. I don't know the words. That's the song, Father Abraham. He is the father of the Jewish nation, right? And so uh, there's Abraham right there. He was also the one that God called uh, to sacrifice his only son, Isaac as a, a faith test, and then God stopped him at the last moment and said, man, Abraham, you really do trust me. It was also the, he's the guy that, that was given the, the first uh, ceremony of circumcision, and I, I don't even know how that conversation went, but Abraham is the, the father of the Jewish nation, the, the Jewish people, and through him, the Bible says that all peoples on earth were blessed. He, he, all these people on earth, probably all of us in here are descendants of, of Abraham and of, of his, his lineage. But we look at Abraham's life and he seriously trusted God with, with where God was leading him. 
Let's look at Hebrews 11, verse 8. This talks about Abraham's journey here. It says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And he went without knowing where he was going. He went without knowing where he was going. He had, he had no idea where he was going. Show me a picture of his little journey here. So it's a map. So the, the first part of Abraham's life is there in green, the green arrows. So his, his dad moved him from Ur to Haran. And then at age 75 is when God called him to uproot everything he had known, everything uh, that that was familiar and comfortable around him. And God said, Abraham, take your wife, take all your possessions, and go. Just go. And God didn't tell Abraham, like, specific details. He didn't give him, like, a, a roadmap A to Z. God didn't say, okay, Abraham, I want you to go south by southwest, 52.7 miles. There you'll see two palm trees with giant coconuts, and at the base of the coconut tree, you'll see two donkeys, and on one of the donkeys will be a crazy old lady that smells like asparagus, and that's where you need to plant your tents. God didn't do any of that. God just said, go, and I'll be with you. Go, and I'll be with you. Abraham didn't assume what the, the where would look like. No, all, all he knew was that this, this God, the one who had called him uh, to go, was going to be with him. You know, we, we humans so often want to know, like, steps A through Z, right? We want to know, like, what, God, what's the roadmap for my life? Like, how many of you guys want to know, like, okay, who, who am I going to marry, what kind of job am I going to have after school? What, am I going to go to college? What college am I going to go to? When, when am I going to die? Well, I don't know. I don't know if any of you guys want to know that. That's just weird. We all want to know, like, okay, God, what's the plan here? Lord, do you have me? Like, are we, going to be, are we cool? Are we going to be okay? If I trust you, are you going to take care of me? I mean, that's, that's at the root of, of each and every one of our Hearts. We want to know that God is going to take care of us from A to Z. But God so often just gives us A to B. And then when we walk in obedience from A to B, he says, okay, now here's B to C. There's one step. Okay, we do that, now here's C to D. God so often just gives us one step at a time. That was so frustrating to me for, for most of my life, and it, it still at times is. Like, God, why can't you just give me the plan? Like, give me the roadmap, and I'll follow it to a T, and that way I know that I can trust you. Like, I don't want to step out, and then you, I don't want you to make me look like a fool if I do something that, that looks, looks dumb to everybody else. Like, God, I, I need to know everything that you have for me. And then I'll trust you. But it doesn't work like that. And God is, is slowly teaching me that, that the ancient proverb, uh, the journey is the reward, is, is accurate. And there's the, like the, the thinker. Some ancient wise man said, the journey is the reward. If you would have told me that as a 15-year-old, I would have thought, no way. Like, if I'm hunting for treasure, the treasure is the reward. Like, 
duh, the treasure is what I'm after. I don't care about like all the clues that I got to find to get there. But how many of you guys have seen like National Treasure? Yeah, so it's a giant treasure hunt. That movie would have been super lame if it was a three-minute movie of him starting at point A and then just going to pick up the treasure. Like the journey is what makes life exciting, what makes it an adventure. But most importantly to God, it's what builds our faith. It's what forces us to trust him. You wouldn't have to trust God if he told you how every single day of your entire life is going to be. But you do have to trust God when he says, hey, go talk to that friend sitting across the table. Well, God, how's that, how's that going to work? Like, is he going to reject me or is, is he going to make fun of me or am I going to look like a stupid person in front of my friends? And God just says, just go talk to him. God doesn't give you how everything is going to look. He gives you the next step so that we can learn to trust him. You know, Abraham trusted God. He, didn't, he wasn't so concerned with his circumstances. He was more concerned with who his God was and that God was with him. God was building his faith. You know, we look at Hebrews 11.6. So this is right before it talks about Abraham. And it says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Because anyone who wants to come to him, to God, must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek after him. Did y'all catch that? It is impossible to please God without faith. Impossible. God, who knows everything, who set everything up, who has all wisdom and knowledge, he's saying it's impossible to please him without faith. So if he's saying that, it, it probably stands to reason that we should figure out, okay, well, then what, what's this faith that we're talking about? That's the only way that I can please God. What is faith? Well, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, go back a few verses, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in our hope. Now, so many of us use the, the term hope like in a, a real shallow way, like, oh, I hope the Astros win the World Series, or, or like, I hope I win the lottery. Like, you hear people say that all the time, I hope I win the lottery. Like, yeah, maybe, but you're more likely to get struck by lightning like 15 times in your life than to win the lottery. Like, that, that is a very shallow hope, and if, if, you're, if your hope is resting on winning the lottery, you're going to be sorely disappointed. That is a, a shallow view of hope. That's not the kind of hope that this is talking about. The kind of hope that this is talking about is like, I hope in tomorrow's sunrise being there. Like some, tomorrow's sunrise is going to be there. That, that is a sure hope. Like I can count on that. You can count on that. Unless, unless Armageddon happens tonight, the sunrise is coming up tomorrow. That is a sure hope. And that is the kind of sure hope that we have in Christ. Abraham's foundational hope was not in his circumstances, was not in knowing each step of the way. His foundational hope was in the God of the universe being with him. 
So ask yourself the question here this morning. What, what would you say your foundational hope is? Is your, is your biggest hope that you would get good grades and get into the right school? Is your biggest hope that you would make the sports team? Is your, is your greatest foundational hope that you'll, you'll be in that relationship one day and you'll get married and you'll have kids? Is your biggest hope in, in maybe, maybe being good enough or religious enough? Where is your foundational hope? Because all of those things, while they, they may be some good things in there, those will all disappoint you. If your foundational hope is not in Jesus Christ, the God-man, who became a man, who lived a perfect life, who, who died this gruesome death on the cross, who bore all of our penalty for sin and all of our, our, our guilt and our shame, and then he rose again, and he's saying that if we just receive his gift of salvation, he'll be with us forever. If your hope is not in that, man, you're on shaky ground. Because that is the only sure hope. That is the only sunrise type of hope that we have in this life is in Christ and the cross of Christ. That is the kind of sure hope that Abraham had. He, he knew not that all of his circumstances were going to be easy or, or just like he wanted, but he knew that the God of the universe was with him and that God was calling him to take a step of faith. You know, we're, we're talking a lot about faith here today, so what's the, what's the definition of faith? Well, the dictionary definition of faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And so the biblical definition of faith is complete trust or confidence in Jesus Christ and in his, his, who he is. So who is Jesus? Well, he is, he is God, he is king, and he is savior. So our, our hope is in the fact that Jesus is God. That he is the infinite ruler of the universe, that he created everything, that he spoke it all into existence, that he sits above and outside of time and space. And then he's also the king, which means that he is the, the sovereign ruler over everything. He holds all authority. He holds all power. There's nothing that Jesus says that doesn't happen. If Jesus says it's one way, it is one way. And there's nothing anybody can do to change that. And we, we also believe that Jesus is our Savior. So our, our only hope of salvation is in Christ. It's not in being good enough. It's not in, in being religious enough or looking a certain way. It is in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and the free gift of his salvation. And that's the same kind of sure hope that Abraham had. He believed that, that God was who he said he is, that he is God, he is king of the universe, and he is the savior. So if it's impossible to please God without this kind of faith, the kind of faith that Abraham had, well, why is that? Well, it, it says that right there in the verse. It says it's impossible to please God without faith. Why? Well, because anyone who wants to come to him, to God, must believe that God exists 
and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So it's, it's twofold. We have to first believe that God exists. Well, I mean, that, that sounds kind of obvious, right? Like, hello, yeah, we have to believe he exists. But if you don't believe that, that there is literally, if there is not literally a, a God who sits outside of time and space, yet is, is here with us right now, who, if we don't believe that this is the same God that spoke and the universe exploded into existence, if we don't believe that, that this is the same God who, who spoke and that you were, were grown in your mother's womb and you became the person that, that you are today, we don't believe that that God is real, man, we're not going to seek him. We're not going to come to him for anything. So ask yourself the question here this morning. Do you, do you really believe, like deep down, do you believe that God is real? That he exists? Man, there's times in my life when, when I, I question that. I'm just being real honest. Like, like what, what am I doing? But then I go back to the foundation of it all. I go back to what, what made me believe in the first place. And that is, I look at creation. Okay, so we look at the earth and how far it is away from the sun. And if it was a few degrees closer, we would all be, be fried lobsters. If we were a few degrees away, we would all be a bunch of, of polar bears and penguins. We'd be freezing to death. And then I look at, okay, th- this giant ball of fire millions and billions of miles away is giving life to this little rock in the universe. And because of that ball of fire, these trees are able to grow up out of the ground because they collect light from the sun and, and certain nutrients from the earth. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And then, and then you think about how, how human beings are made. Like, the, the complexity that goes into a baby being formed inside of a mother's womb is insane. And you think about scientists have no idea how, how do we have conscience? How are you looking at me right now and thinking, man, I agree with this, or I disagree with this, or what, what kind of beard wax does he use? Or what, what is, you're, you're thinking about things right now, and scientists have no idea, like, how does that work? You have the... the you have a mega supercomputer living inside of your skull. You think that all that was by chance? That, that some, some nothingness exploded into everything and then the explosion created some amoeba and then an amoeba grew into a fish and then the fish grew legs and grew into a monkey which grew into you? Like, What? That's insane. And so whenever I feel myself doubting, I go back to the foundation of it all. Creation is crying out God's glory. The complexity, the creativity there. We have to believe that God exists first and foremost, or else we're not going to seek him. But secondly, we have to believe that he rewards those who earnestly, who sincerely seek after him. Okay, so if there is this infinite king of the universe who, who speaks and galaxies burst into existence, who speaks and things happen when he says that they happen, who holds all authority and all power and all the resources in the world and in the universe, if we believe that he exists, 
It says that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Man, is there a better deal in the entire universe that the, the king, the one who sits on the throne of it all, is saying, hey, come to me. Seek me. And guess what? I will reward you. What are you, what are you needing now? What are you needing today? Do you need, do you need healing in a relationship Maybe that you have no idea how to fix? Do you need forgiveness for, for somebody that hurts you in a wicked way? Do you, do you need financial provision? Do you need emotional strength to be able to get through the end of the school year? Do you need, what, what do you need? Whatever it is, I know the one who can give it to you. He lives and breathes around us, all inside of us. That's the one who's saying, look, seek after me, and I will reward you with whatever you need. Whatever you need. God, God will supply all of your needs if you will just seek him sincerely. Seek him sincerely. Abraham believed God existed. And that's why he obeyed God. But, but it's not just enough to believe that God exists. No, we have to innately believe that this king of the universe will reward those who sincerely seek after him. Who will, in, in every circumstance, and in, in every painful situation, will turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know how to handle this. I can't do this alone, but you can. So you're going to have to do this in me. He rewards those who sincerely seek after him. And that was why Abraham was able to trust God with the where. Abraham said, I, I don't care, God, where you lead me. As long as you're with me, I'll go wherever. Is that your heart here this morning? Man, I, I confess that Oftentimes, that's not my heart. I'm like, God, I'll, I'll follow you as long as you fit within my plans. But that's not the kind of seeking that God is, is calling for here. And he's calling us to say, man, God, I trust you with whatever. Wherever you lead me, whether you want me to, to, to move to a, a shack in Malawi or whether you want me to go to, to Stanford or whether you want me to stay put right here or whether you want me to forgive this person or whether you want me to reconcile this relationship, whatever you call me to do, I'm just going to do it. Trusting that you will reward me. That was what allowed Abraham to take steps A to B and then B to C not needing to know, okay, where, where does Z end up? How does this all, how does this go? I did not do a good job of that growing up, and I still struggle with it. But whenever I, I grew up, I, I wanted to know the entire plan. So I, I just want to share a, a quick, maybe not so quick, kind of quick story uh, about my own struggle with this. So I grew up here in the Woodlands area. I, I went to 
Oak Ridge High School and graduated and uh, stayed here for a year at, at Lone Star. And then I transferred to my dream school, Texas A&M. <laughs> some, some A&M fans. Um, and I, I was there for a year. But probably about eight months in, nine months in, I began feeling like God was changing my heart, like he was, he was doing something inside of me. And, and I wasn't sure exactly what it was, but I felt like he was starting to move me in a different direction. And so I was praying about it and like, okay, God, what, what's up with this? Like you, you called me to come here for a year and now you're wanting me to move? Like that doesn't make any sense. And this is my, my dream school that I wanted to be at and you're calling me to, to do something else. And so I just started praying about it. And I felt like God was calling me to pursue a career in law enforcement. So become a cop or whatever that looked like, but, but law enforcement of some, some kind. And so I was talking with some friends and found out that Sam Houston has a great criminal justice program. And so I was like, okay, Lord, is that you? The more I began to pray about it, I felt like, man, God, you're calling me to transfer to a completely different school and city so that I can pursue this career in law enforcement, which I've never even thought about before. Okay, is, is that you? And I, I bucked at that for several months. I was like, nope, nope, God, nope, pass, pass. I'm good here. Don't you see? I, I'm, I'm fine. God just kept working on my heart and saying, no, you need to take a step of faith. You need to obey me. So I, I ended up doing it, much to, to my chagrin. I, I, I decided to transfer because I felt like that's what God was calling me to do. So I transferred to Sam Houston and got into the criminal justice program there. It was there that I met Lindsay. So we started dating and um, we, we ended up getting engaged and I'm kind of on the, the track to graduate and get married all around the same time. And so there towards the end, I start uh, looking into like law enforcement jobs because I'm going to be a husband, and i got to provide for my new wife, my new family. And so uh, I started looking at jobs, and I got into the Houston Police Department's uh, application process. So I'm just going to throw out a flyer and see if this is what God has for me. I feel like God has led me up to this point so far, and so I'm going to pursue law enforcement like I think he wants me to do. So I went through the entire process. I went through the, uh, the, the physical test and the psychological evaluations and the polygraph, like meet the parents. It was crazy. And, and, and I got to the very end and everybody was telling me, oh, yeah, you're a shoo-in. Like, you're great. We'd love to have you. At the very end of the application process, they say to me, all right, last thing that we need to do, you just need to take a drug test. I was like, Sweet. I can take a drug test. Like, I'm really good at taking drug tests. I, I don't do drugs. Okay, great. Let me take the test. So I get set up to take the test, and um, let me back up a little. At this time in my life, I was like the most physically fit that I had ever been because I was training to go into the police academy and to chase people down, and so I was like running miles and miles every day, and, and because of that, I was drinking like, a gallon and a half of water every day. And so I'd be the weirdo that had like the gallon milk jug of water and be like, whoop, 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 just walking around the store, sitting in class. That was me. I drank a lot of water. Unbeknownst to me, uh, a lot of water can dilute your urine. Imagine that. So I go to take the urine test, and they come back after they analyze it, and they say, 
Mr. Houck, uh, come to find out your urine is about uh, 99% water. It is so diluted that uh, we just want to ask you, like, uh, you've been doing drugs? It's like, what? I've been doing drugs. They're like, well, people often hide their, their, their drugs in their system by drinking a bunch of water before a test. And I was like, oh, oh, no, no, you don't understand. Like, I just like water. I like water and the run run, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do the drugs, okay? I'm not smoking anything. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll take the other test. Like, let's, let's redo it. I'm sorry that, that I drank too much water. Like, okay, yeah, life lesson here. Let's step out of this. If you're going to take a urine test, don't drink a lot of water, which is counterintuitive and dumb. Okay, so I say, okay, let's take this next test. I schedule it for like two days later. The night before, I go to bed super early because the test is at 7 a.m. the next day. Yeah, in downtown Houston, so I had to leave at like 5. So I went to bed super early, great night of sleep, and I woke up at 9.30 a.m. in my bed. I was like, who no. I am late. And so I get on the phone and I call them and I say, I am so sorry. I, I don't know, my alarm didn't go off or I slept through it or, or what's happening, but I, can I come in still? Like, can I, uh, can I come in late? And this was just the lab people and they're like, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. It was some probably college student. So I go take the test. I didn't drink a lot of water that day. I learned my lesson. The application officer calls me about a week later. He says, Mr. Houck, um, just wanted to talk with you about some suspicious things in your, your drug tests. You know, the first drug test that you had, your urine was basically water, and druggies often hide uh, their, their urine samples with a bunch of water. And, and then the second test, like you, you were like five hours late to, anything you want to tell us? Any, anything? Anything at all. I was like, no, I don't do drugs. I like water. I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. I like sleep, and I like water, and that's all I got. All of my, my hopes and dreams were like tied into getting this job, because I was about to get married in a couple weeks. I was like, if I don't, I don't have this job, how am I going to take care of my wife? How am I going to provide for, for this new family? I'll get a letter like a week later, saying, eh, try again next time. You've been denied. So then I'm just freaking out. Like, okay, great. So um, I have no money, and I'm getting married, and I um, have an apartment. Awesome. So I just started waiting tables and making just dirt money, just making nothing. But we managed to squeak by, and then, then I got a job at a lighting company, and, and God still took care of me. The point of my story is this. If God would have told me early on, hey, Kalen, I want you to move schools, move cities. You're going to pursue the rest of your college career in something that you're never going to use. And then you're going to be getting married and uh, go through about four months of an application process uh, with a law enforcement agency, and then they're going to deny you at the end, and it's going to crush your heart. Um, so can you go ahead and just transfer schools? I would have been like, no, no way. I'll find a wife another way. I don't, uh, that's fine. I don't want to waste all that time. God so often does not 
give us steps A through Z because it, it, would, it would break down our ability to trust him. God gives us just what we need for the moment so that he can take us wherever he wants us to go. And so I, I look back on that whole process, and it was a couple years ago that I realized, man, that, that wasn't a failure like I thought it was. That was God giving me like the greatest gift of my life. Because I transferred schools, I got to, to meet Lindsay, and then because I met Lindsay, we, we got to uh, adopt Mark and Layla, and now we have baby Noah. Like, look at this picture, and just, just and the little squishies. Like, I would have missed out on that if I wouldn't have taken that one step of obedience. Man, that, that is crazy to think about. Guys, God is calling us, each and every one of us. I don't care if you're 12 or 20. God is calling each and every one of you to take a step of faith. Like I said, it may be in a, a belief, maybe taking a step in a, a wrong belief to a right belief. It may be an emotional state, or it could be a physical location. What, whatever it is, God is calling you to something. But we have to take that step. And it, it reminds me of a great movie clip that I love from Indiana Jones. So at the very end of the movie, they're searching for this, uh, this holy grail. This is their treasure that they're searching after. And Indiana Jones' dad was like shot in the stomach. And the only way that he's going to survive is if Indiana Jones gets the uh, grail and brings it back to him and, and he can live forever and be healed, whatever. Indiana Jones has to make a decision. Is he going to take a step of faith or is he going to chicken out? Is he going to stay where it's comfortable? Check out this clip.
Guys, that is so often what God is calling us to do. Calling us to take that one step and trust that number one, trust that he exists, that he is who he says he is, that he has all, all power and all ability to give us our every need. And then we have to believe that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Guys, think about Abraham. What would he have missed out on if he would have said, no, God, I'm good. I already got my little, like, my, my hut set up just how I want it. I'm good, God. I don't want to go. And he would have missed out on being the father of millions and billions of, of people and the blessing that, that flowed to all those people through him. And he would have missed out on all of the, the adventure and the, the crazy awesome things that God did in, in and through him. What would I have missed out on if I, I would have stiff-armed God and said, no, I, I'm good. I'm good at A&M. I don't want to trust you. Man, I would have missed out on, on the greatest gift of my life. Question is, what, what would you miss out on if you don't take that step of faith in whatever God's calling you to do? What would you miss out on? God has good, good things in store for his people. It may not always look like we expect them to, like my journey with the police department, but he is with us every step of the way. And his plans are higher than our plans, and his ways are, are better than our ways. And looking back on that crazy season with my, my college and police officer and all that kind of stuff, I wouldn't change a thing. Because God grew my faith in that, in deep, profound ways. And God wants to do the same thing in you. But you have to take that step of faith. You have to trust him. Like Indiana Jones, you may not be able to see how it's going to end up. It might look scary. Often it will. But if you will trust the one who's calling you to do it, and he'll take care of you. He'll be with you. As we're going to wrap up here this morning, the band can go ahead and make their way up here. I just want you to pull out the pen and paper under your seat. We're going to ask God one simple question. It's not enough just to hear truth. It's not enough just to hear the word or to hear a, a preacher preach. You can't just check off the box and say, I did the thing. No, God has you here for a specific reason. God in his sovereignty and in, in his, his wisdom has decided that you should be here this morning. And so because of that, there is something that he wants you to take away from this. Something that he wants you to change. So that's what we're going to do now. We're, we're just going to ask God, what, what's that step of faith that you're wanting me to take? Maybe it's one that you've been ignoring for a while or maybe it's something new. But what is that step of faith that God wants you to take? be emotionally, relationally, spiritually, physically. What is it? Whatever it is, write it down. Maybe God's calling you to, to share a friend, share, share Christ with a friend at school before the end of the school year. 
Maybe he's calling you to, to forgive somebody who hurt you deeply. Maybe he's calling you to, to set aside your plans for the summer and, and choose to serve him, choose to serve his city in Houston through, through signing up for Mission Houston or for just being a part of our weekly serving opportunities. Whatever God is calling you to do, his ways are better than our ways. His plans are better than our plans. Whatever you wrote down, I just want you to write out a simple prayer now. Because it's not enough just to, to hear from God and then try to do it on our own. No, we need the infinite one's help. We can't walk these things out alone. So write out a prayer. God, would you, would you give me the grace and the strength to walk this out, to take a step of faith. We're going to continue to respond with our tithes and offering, communion. We can just celebrate who Christ is and what he's done for us. We're going to worship together. Guys, I encourage you to, to take into your heart, deep into your heart, the verse that we looked at today, that it's impossible to please God without faith because first we have to believe that he exists, that this infinite God of all the universe became a man, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, was rose again from the dead so that we could be with him forever. We have to believe that and then we have to believe that that same one the same one who speaks and billions of stars and billions of galaxies go into existence that same God is saying seek me and I will reward you I will take care of you I will be with you and what could be better than that what could be better than that whatever God's calling you to do look he, he has never failed he has never failed. Even when things and circumstances don't look like we want them to, he's working in them, his good purposes in our life. He's never failed us. He's never going to. And think, think back on your life, on all the good things that God has done for you. He has you here this morning to hear that you can trust him.